Coming up on Talk of the Town, it is almost time for Left, Right, and Center. That's our weekly look at uh, the issues of the day as they revolve, uh, or as they devolve, or evolve from particular political perspectives. Today, joining me in the studio, Bob Metz and Gil Warren. And I want to ask these guys about this health care mess that's going on at the federal level and uh, how we deal with it. I think I know how they're both going to respond to that, but I've got a couple questions for them after that, too. We're going to talk to them and get their thoughts on it as our program continues. You're listening to 1290 CJBK, where it's talk all day and sports all night. Don't forget... And it's left, right, and center joining me this morning. Nice to have them both back. Bob Metz and Gil Warren, good to see you both again. Good morning. Nice to see you, Jim. Folks, I, uh, as you know, I have a uh, particular interest, as do my guests, in this federal election. But my particular bugbear is health care because of what I've been through in the last year and a half. I'm very personally interested in the health care system in this country. And I'm also fascinated as an observer of politics by the level of chicanery that's being indulged in by, with the greatest of respect, all of the parties. Um, the liberals have fessed up lately that health care isn't what they've been pretending it is. They've admitted there is multi-tier health care in Canada. And as I said before, more power to them. I give them full credit for finally fessing up. Um, the reality is there is multi-care health care in Canada right now, today. If you've got money, you can buy better health care than somebody who doesn't have it. Um, but perhaps I should amend that. It's not necessarily better health care, but you can buy it faster. Whether you do it in this country, and there are places to do it, or whether you go south of the border or go to other places. Um, and it's not just America where people take their money. There's a lot of eye surgery being done in Cuba, of all places, and some Canadians are going down there for certain kinds of eye surgeries. In any case, my guests today um are on uh, fairly different uh, corners uh, different uh, uh, positions on the political spectrum and i wanted to ask each of them about this health care issue we've discussed it with both of them before but i'm going to ask them to give us a thumbnail of their position and then i've got some questions for them and gil i'll start with you uh if you're the health care czar health care czar in canada uh and they say mr warren here's you are now charged with fixing rebuilding, replacing, revamping, whatever needs to be done to our health care system in Canada to, to make it conform to the following two things. We want to be sure that everybody that needs health care gets it, and we want to be sure we can afford to pay for it. What would you do? Well, I think that the first thing we have to, to say is that, in fact, we've had two-tier health care system or multi-level health care system in Canada f forever. Uh, it's just the same as we've always had uh, a private educational system. Mm -hmm. uh, but our public policy has not encouraged private education. And my partner's a nurse, and she made the point the other day that uh, in the past, uh, in the 60s, we were not encouraging private health care. But what's happened in the last few years is that we have. And I think that we have to stop uh, doing that. And I think the federal liberals did it sort of by neglect. Um, and no, wait a minute. I'm going to stop you right here. I'm asking you what you want to do. What kind of system do you want to see? I want to see a uh, public system that uh, serves everybody. And, and I think that uh, that should be the goal. A one, well, we, one we, have that now. we have no. that now, though. We do, no, we, yeah. we do have a system that serves everybody. It's just that it can take a long time to serve everybody. Yeah. Now, well, we have to get the funding back in. I mean, the first step, uh, if I were the minister, federal minister of health, would be, get, would be to get the funding back to the 1993 level, which is when, what happened was the Liberals came in and they slashed funding. Yeah. But they've, they've said that they're going to do that. No, 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 no. They haven't said they were going to take it back to the 93 levels. They said that they were going to 
put money back into the system. And that's, the Liberals have done a very good job politically to convince everybody that we're going back to the 93 levels, but well, they're my, not. My understanding was that, and you, I, I think technically here, my understanding was that they were going to put enough funding back in so that with the increases the provinces have put in, that the combined totals would be back to 93 levels. Well, I, I don't I believe think the provinces, the, the provinces agreed to that deal, but they, they wanted the funding back to 93 yeah, from yeah, the federal yeah, government. And originally under Medicare, it was 50-50, the federal okay, government. Okay, so assume, assume... So we get the money back into the system. Is that okay. enough money to do it? Uh, I, I would say that that would uh, at least get us to a situation where we were back to where we were 93. Maybe not. We may have to put more money in. We had in. fairly long lineups in 93, yes, too. Yeah. And this is part of our system. Our system says that uh, there's a limited amount of money... That's a political decision. No, that's and, a philosophical And decision. then the, the, fo the follow-up to that is that there will be uh, waiting lists, but the, you want to make them so that they're not too long. Okay. okay. Mr. Metz, let me ask you. You're the health care czar. Mm -hmm. Same criteria. We want to make sure that, uh, that anyone who has health problems is going to be looked after, and we want to be able to pay for it. How do we do it? Absolutely. And uh, accessibility and affordability, if you don't have those two things, you don't have a health care system. It's as simple as that. That applies to groceries, your shoes, and everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, I would do the exact opposite of what Gillis said. I would, uh, when he says we're, he, he would stop encouraging private health care, private health care doesn't need encouraging. That's pe private people going of their own accord to go get the health care they want. If he was going to stop, quote, encouraging that, he would have to pass a law against them, which has been done and is being done, to prevent them from being able to pay for their own health care. Mm -hmm. That's what he would, that's the only way you could do that. When he says a public system, he means a government system, and I don't think the government should be in health care at all. Remember, what the government's actually offering us is not health care, but health insurance. It's really competing with the insurance companies. Health care, whether public or private, is really private. All the doctors are making salaries. All the nurses are making salaries. All the bureaucrats who are working for the government are making salaries. The only thing that isn't spoken is the word profit, because it is shown as either a deficit or a surplus when you talk about government. Profit is merely a surplus on which tax is paid. So it, it's ironic that uh, we see, for example, Alexa McDonough complaining about private health care clinics wanting more system or more money available in the public system and then complaining about profit health care systems who would be paying taxes and that money would be going into the public health care system. It's, it's absolutely ludicrous what, what the left is arguing here about, about the health care system. And to watch the leader of the NDP get in front of a private clinic and suggest that it shouldn't be allowed to be there. That to me means that she's going to take away health care, not, not add more. Um, Canadians should have as many options as is possibly available. And the government, in terms of helping those who do not have the options, either due to inability to qualify for insurance or just strictly poverty or perhaps even total disability, those are the people that you concentrate on. You don't put in a universal health care system. Um, you know, we, we jokingly say, uh, back at my office, how Canadians, you can, you can tell a Canadian by, the, by being the guy who's willing to sell half his life so he can save $15 at a doctor's office. You know, and that's almost literally true. All right, let me, uh, let me come back to, uh, to Mr. Warren then. The, uh, one of the arguments that has been raging for the last few weeks anyway publicly is the issue of whether or not we have multi-tier health care. The Canada Health Act seems to prohibit it. Uh, it is now public knowledge and very plainly acknowledged by all the participants that, in fact, we do have this system. Why do you think the system has has evolved? Why do we have places like the Shouldice Clinic, for example? Um, there are a number of, of uh, substance abuse treatment centers across the country that are 
that are uh, uh, that have beds open for the public system, but you can also pay money and get into them. Uh, why did these things develop? Do you think it was because of chronic underfunding for the public system, and and that that was a deliberate policy by the federal liberal government who overreacted to the. Uh, to the debt and deficit situation. I mean, that's what the liberals are admitting. They overreacted in health. They overreacted in unemployment insurance. They overreacted but in, these, in other most areas. But most of these clinics, though, exist, at least the ones I'm familiar with, and I, I can't I shouldn't say most. I don't know how many there are across the country, but the, the big ones, the well-known ones, um, all existed prior to 1993. Some of them have been around for 20, 30, 40 years. Which is my point about the, that there always has been private health. But in what happened in Alberta was that uh, they were greatly expanded. And what was going on there was that the federal liberal government, by default, had cut the funding, mm -hmm. then played this game that we had a one-tier system, mm -hmm. but then p paid no attention to the fact that these clinics were springing up but in, in Alberta. A, in Alberta, just in, help me with this. In my, Alberta, my understanding, from talking to friends of mine out there, and from what I read in the papers, which you can't always believe, is that the the they are private clinics in the sense that they are privately owned, but they are still people are they are still being paid through the government healthcare system. That's correct. Yeah. So how do they really differ from the so-called public clinics in that sense? Because because they're getting government funding for for that work, and that's the problem. Because then that's creating your your private well, the system. The public, public, public private, private, private funding for their work. But too. I'm also private system, system that's public. I'm funded. also told that on a service for service basis, they are billing no they're not billing less their per unit cost is less than the public system now they may they're billing the mm -hmm. same because the, because the Canada Health right. Act mandates that they have to bill the same but I'm told that the MRI procedures for example are done less expensively in the private clinics than they are in public clinics I don't understand why it makes any difference what name hangs over the door if they're both being paid by the government I don't understand why it should make a difference. And I, I'm, I'm not because, speaking from a political yeah. point of view, just from a consumer's point of view. Mm -hmm. What the hell difference does it make to me? But I think that you've got you, you to gotta see with private clinics that, A, they have to make a profit. That's why they're there. So that's going to be part of the cost that is billed to the government. And, B, they're likely to have cost savings, if at all. Uh, in fact, there's a lot of evidence that they tend to produce higher costs. Uh, it would be, for instance, having the worker who runs the MRI machine be non-union instead of union. So mm -hmm. it becomes a question of of uh, labor rights, de-unionizing de de the workforce as well. But I want to make a couple of points about what about, about health about the healthcare system itself, because you asked me you know, how we would run it, mm -hmm. and I think we got to see that there's a tremendous shortage now of doctors, number one, yeah. and even worse, nurses. Mm -hmm. And what happened in '93 with both the federal and provincial government cuts was that nurses who were coming out of nursing schools moved to Texas and Carolina because yeah. that's where they could find the work. And they cut down the enrollments for both doctors yeah, and nurses in the schools. Which was probably more to the point, actually. And, and so now, suddenly the government has changed its mind and we're going to fund public health, but the staff are not there. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when we talk about the brain drain in Canada that the right likes to talk about, 95% of it is nurses who went to Texas. And they're young. They've got well, and I don't know where you get a large Look at the numbers, but look at it. I mean, yeah. that's what was going on there. Mm -hmm. The nurses couldn't find work. So the, even if we get the funding back, there's going to be this incredible shortage of nurses. Mm -hmm. And I know at hospitals like Parkwood, uh, the, the, the list of nurses available to work overtime and stuff like that has shrunk dramatically. Yes. Yeah. And there's a real, real, real crisis there. And the other thing about the federal government deal with the provinces is the money doesn't kick in for a year. Mm -hmm. People think the problem's solved today because yeah. there was a big announcement. Yeah. And, and see, that's where I see that the federal liberals were not on the ball. They should have dealt with this problem a long time ago. Now they're scrambling to deal with it. They're, they're putting money in, but not for a year. 
There's, even if the money's there, we can't find the nurses. You know, we need to reopen beds in, in, mm. in regular hospitals. And so it's going to be a real struggle to do this. Bob, how does your plan get around that very real problem that, that Gil has just articulated? We do have a serious shortage of doctors in this country and a serious shortage of nurses, and we cannot replace them all. Not true, not true. What we have is a shortage of funding through government sources because the taxpayer is already paying half of his earnings and taxes and not getting any extra service for it. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, Back to what I asked you. Are you denying that there is a shortage of doctors in this country? It's an artificially created shortage well, by government. In the private health care system, there's no shortage. There's no shortage. Well, there of, is. Of, you know, if you go to Buffalo, Buffalo is advertising right now on TV for Canadians to come over and use their health care services. Yes. There are no lines. You walk in the door, you get service. You know, one of the biggest reasons I hear Canadians say they want their health care services so that, they, so that nobody waits in line, like, you know, so nobody gets ahead of, ahead of them in line, rather. Well, it never occurs to them to get their head out of that box. There are no lines in a, in a, privately, in a, in a privately funded health care system. None. You walk in like you walk into the grocery store. You buy your thing just like you do there. Well, it's not quite that you know, simple. It's, but it's pretty much. But 48 hours would be a long in, wait. In the United States, the number of doctors that are produced by the medical schools are controlled by the medical associations. Oh, I agree, and I disagree. So you can't, that's you can't, a union, by the way, and that's a thing that you should can't be say uh, that depowered a bit. You yeah. can't say that the private system will never produce shortages. It, it's a very complicated system, and it depends on how many doctors are being trained, and it depends on demographics and how many are retiring and all kinds but of Bob, things. But, Bob, I want to come back to because you really didn't answer my question. Under your system, how do you deal with that shortage that does, and I would argue this with you, does exist today. There are not enough doctors in this country right now today. We don't have enough. The well, we, have, should, we should be put in putting out more doctors in the school. We should, we should be. be allowing cu customers that's to happening. pay for their own medical care. Well, what that, but you've got, a, so. you've got a problem right now. You're the health czar. You're going to revamp the system. Well, it ain't going to fix overnight. If that's what you're asking me, that's you have to I'm pass asking. a lot of day and it's going to be better tomorrow. It's that can't take, happen. can't right. even happen in the marketplace. But the marketplace will go about 10,000 times faster than any government action will. Um, you can see that in any area where the market is free. Okay, I've got another question for you guys, philosophical question here. Mm -hmm. Is it ethical for Canada, as we are doing now, to lure doctors away from third world countries where they are desperately needed simply because we can afford to pay them more money than they can get at home? Is that an ethical thing to do, Gil? No, I don't think, I don't think it is ethical at all. And, but this is a game that Canada has played, not just with doctors and nurses, but with machinists and everybody else, is to scoop them up from, uh, it w very, very originally was Europe after now, the let, war. Now, let's remember, though, that these people want to come here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Nobody's forcing them to right. come well, here. We're giving them lots of incentives, and that's, mm -hmm. and that's what's happening. I mean, we do control the immigration, and we can say, even if you want to come here, you can't immigrate to Canada. We do that with millions and millions of poor people. But I, I think it is a travesty that we would steal doctors from India or uh, machinists from Germany after the war. And it was a way for us to avoid the capital investment of, in people, of training, of the infrastructure investment uh, in people. And uh, what we need to do is solve our own problem, and we need to really quickly uh, get more people being trained. And although we've mentioned the doctors, I've got to point out that the real problem is the nurses. I mean, the nurses are a far uh, greater number in, in the system, and, and they're doing the frontline care. And uh, there is a shortage of both. But... The real focus should be on nurses, and, and that's where the problem is. Bob, let me ask you that question. Is it, is it moral, morally slash ethically uh, uh, acceptable for Canada the, the, to do that? The unethical part of Canada doing that is, is using taxpayer dollars to do it. If it was a private clinic encouraging people to come over here, there'd be no problem with it. But the fact is that Canadians don't need to be paying out of five sides of their pocket to get no service. We're, we're paying for education here. We're supposed to be creating our own homegrown doctors, so to speak. 
Uh, that's not happening because the system just doesn't work. Well, we know all that. We know all and that. But is it is it is it morally and ethically okay for us to be tantalizing these people away from their own countries where they are desperately needed? Simply well, because that's we a, can wave a few dollars under That's an issue with the doctor in the third world. What you're really asking is, that is, that, is it ethical for that doctor to choose to come here? No, as, as you said, nobody's forcing them to come. But you've got to look at the other part. And I would say, yeah, it. it's his choice where he wants to work. The, 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 the government of India pours thousands and thousands of dollars into training that doctor yeah. for well, their country. I want to come back to that, though. If you're saying it's his right to work wherever he wants, then shouldn't anybody anywhere on the planet be, be able to come to Canada? Ethically, yeah. We should throw our borders open. As, a, as, an, as an issue of ethics, yeah, but it's not practical and we can't do it because we have a socialist country. Okay, we have to pause for just a second. We will be back. Gil Warren and Bob Metz with us on this edition of Left, Right, and Center. This is Talk of the Town on 1290 CJBK. Talking health care this morning from the left and the right with Bob Metz and Gil Warren. And Ivan's waiting on the line. Hello, Ivan. Hi, Jim. How are you? Good, thanks. Yes, if we uh, didn't have the waste in government maybe we could afford a good health care system for instance we're overtaxed anything you go buy costs uh, 15 percent more mm -hmm. also uh, official bilingualism jim that costs us millions oh, yeah. i mean there's all sorts of things well that cost millions. you're asking asking how we could improve it yeah how uh, okay well i'm answering it now we should get rid of the Canadian Senate. That's no, but, but Ivan, that doesn't improve anything. All, well, that, all, that, no, all that does is give you more money to spend. Now, how would you spend sure. the money? Eh? So all that does, the things you're talking about, assuming that we did all of them, all that does is give you as the health czar more money. I'm in, more interested in how you're going to spend the money than where you're going to well, get it from. Well, but first you have to have the money to spend it, oh, Jim. Okay. Well, wh where are you going to spend it, Ivan? Well, on health care, period. All right. That's all right. We have... Uh, the health minister, let him figure we're going better. See, I, I, I disagree with that entirely. More money is not the solution. More money has been spent on the health care system every year, including this year, last year, the year before. You look at the Ontario budgets, they spend more money each year. What we need is more freedom, more choice, more competition. And I'm not just talking in health care, I'm talking in insurance availabilities, in, in uh, everything from charity to, you know, fundraising for health care. There's all kinds of options that can be done that would be infinitely more productive than throwing more money. I don't agree with all that. You which? I don't, I don't agree with all that. I think we need money put into it. And I want to ask you something, Bob. How would you ever afford a private health care insurance policy? You pay a premium. Well, how would I've, you I've do had, it? Well, but you're, because you're always saying that you're poorer than people that earn welfare. I hear that not the expensive. program all the time. It's not it expensive. It costs to buy one, Bob. Costs what? Costs a lot of dollars to get well, insurance. If I, if I, I'm going on First of all, I would, I would make sure I had a large deductible. Second of all, I would make sure the insurance I bought was for emergency, catastrophic things only. Third of all, I would pay for my own doctor's visits, as I do now. Um, you know, those are all very simple things to make insurance affordable. And as I've always been saying, if the insurance becomes unaffordable to some people, then that portion of the unaffordability is where the government should help, not in taking over the whole system right. and then running it into the ground. Ivan, thanks for your call today. 643-1290, if you'd like to join our discussion, Gil Warren and Bob Metz with us. I want, I'd like to return to the point that the system is underfunded. 
There's no doubt about that yes, at all. Yes, but why? It's underfunded because of government funding. There's only so much money no, in the there taxpayer's were, there was, pocket. There were dramatic... And the government is spending money on things like official bilingualism and other issues. That there were dramatic be. cutbacks in, in the funding for health care by billions of dollars by both the provinces and, and the federal government, and you can't deny that. The other thing we yes, should, I can. The other thing we Percentage should, of the increase has been cut back. The dollars have never been cut back our that I've ever seen. Our population has increased, and, so, and it's aged as well, and we need to spend more money on it. The other thing I want to comment about is is for the workers who are the nurses who are still working now what they've gone in in many situations like on a shift they would have before the cuts had three nurses working mm -hmm. after the cuts they had got two yeah. two nurses working mm -hmm. there's the same number of patients to lift nursing is a lot of it is heavy lifting yeah. and what's developing now is a lot of repetitive strain injuries amongst the uh, nurses who've worked for 10 or 20 years. And there's another problem that a lot of the senior nurses are retiring because they just don't want to put up with it anymore. Yeah, or and, physically and, they can. Yes, and junior nurses who have the best of intentions but do not have the experience are yeah. now being thrust into roles where 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, only senior people would have been. And but, Gil, Bill, but Gil's saying here, if we throw more money at it, they will be able to put up with it. Well, I think one of, one of the things about money, and I'll speak for myself, not for Gil, but one of the things about putting more money in the system, and I don't advocate throwing money at things. But, neither, but, neither do I. But right now, you can look at a system and say, we do not have enough money in that system to hire enough nurses to make the system run efficiently. Seems to me that's pretty plain that that's a place where you could productively spend more money. I think more there's more than enough money in the system to do it right. The money is just flowing in all the wrong directions because the directions are being determined by bureaucratic edict and not by... Well, what directions? Where, where is it going that's, that's product... That's, uh, that's, Lord uh, only knows, but we know it's not getting to the page. No, 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 you can't say that. You're we have the last guy I would you expect can't to say, say that. Well, you need anything. a whole... You need... Okay, it's going to official bilingualism. It's going no, to no, no, overpaid bureaucrats. It's going to pay, to pay union people who mm -hmm. don't need to be paid union dues. Well, you know? We're talking about the health it's system here. Yes, we are. Yeah, so... The health system is the government. There's no money going bilingualism in the health care system. The government in this country spends more on official bilingualism than... It does on medical research. But you said that we're wasting money. That's a, that's a yeah. dollar fact, yeah, that's okay? True. But yeah. you said now we're wasting... Now, you cannot talk about yeah. government health care, which is what you are advocating, without talking about the government. You're you keep wanting to isolate yeah. the government and that everything else it does, education, you said welfare, has yeah. nothing to do with your health care You system. said health care is wasting money. As long as you believe money. that, you'll never... Yes, it is. And we're asking you, where is it wasting money? It, like one, well, one, I'll give you an example, since you don't understand the health system that well. Like One of the areas is drug costs, and that is a problem. Like mm -hmm. Drug costs have skyrocketed. Part of that problem goes back to this system that the federal Tories brought in before the before the federal Liberals about the drug patent laws. Yeah, but there's a counterbalance to that too, though, Gil. The drugs that we use today are much more efficient and effective than they used to be too. Yes, I agree. We save yeah. money in a lot of cases in healthcare, even though we pay uh, pay a premium for these drugs. Yeah, but how do you we save a lot of money. What the cost should be? Who's the ma who, manufacturer of the drug is the one who figures out what it costs. They well, know we, what they spend on research. We they have know what they have to pay the pharmacist. They know what they have to pay everybody down the line. And you're sitting here saying. It costs too much. Based we on what? We had, a, a, we still have a generic uh, drug industry, and they're willing to produce copies of the drugs that are not exactly the same, but pretty close and have the same effects. And, uh, and that's where there was a tremendous cost saving. And the patent laws, which is part of the whole free trade thing, outlawed that. Yeah, and but the patent laws were also there to protect the, uh, to protect the inventors of these drugs. That's yeah. correct. So you're saying that's the inventors should be rewarded. I, I think that protect that act overcompensated them, gave them too much money. Mm -hmm. Like, I think they should be compensated, mm -hmm. but I think that there was a lot of lobbying by the American multinational drug industry, which uh, produced a bill that produced too wealthy a return mm -hmm. for, their, for their scientific research and their investment. All right, let's go back to the phones where Diane's waiting. Hi, Diane. Good morning, Jim. I have two questions. Uh, number one, 
I would like to know why one of the gentlemen would be paying for his doctor's visit. And number two, what is a private clinic and where do they exist? I, I, I don't know how you would access them. Well, there are a number of them around. Shouldeis Clinic is probably the best known. It's a clinic for hernia operations in Toronto. Um, so if you had to have a hernia operation and you couldn't get into one of the hospitals in London, you could go down there on your doctor's uh, yes, you can, go, so? you can go to the Shouldice. You pay. You do pay a premium, but as Joe Clark noted, because he went there to have his hernia mm-hmm. fixed, it's about the same kind of premium you'd play, pay for a private room. For a private room. Yeah. And why can you get in there quicker than you can anywhere else? Because they're more efficient. That's all they do is hernias. They're state-of-the-art. They have state-of-the-art uh, equipment down there. They have people that all they do is hernias. They're experts at it, and they are stunningly efficient. I've had a number of friends go down there. Whenever you're in an environment where people are voluntarily interacting, you'll always find that the supply tends to exceed demand because manufacturers and producers, and that includes medical manufacturers and people in that business as well as cars or anything else, want to make sure that they can get, you know, service the customer when the customer needs it. So you really have to be almost a little bit oversupplied. And that way you can also meet emergencies and things like that. Diane, you also ask, why am I paying for medicine? Because yeah. usually when I go to the doctor, I go to the chiropractor, and that basically you pay most of your own, or to the dentist, and I pay that my own. Yes, used to have insurance, but I found out the dentist that's paying direct was cheaper than the insurance. So, uh, Okay, if you go to your family doctor for a physical, you don't pay for No, I wouldn't be allowed to, and, okay. um, and uh, in fact, that's a, it's an issue I have. I just went a couple weeks ago with that little flu that was going around or whatever it was, and I uh, was in and out of there in five minutes, and I can't understand why I shouldn't be paying for that. That how much would that have cost? Okay. You know, and I and I don't understand why the system would force you to pay for my visit when it's just routine maintenance. Now it's great to have that insurance there and that coverage and that protection when you've got an issue like Jim had here with his heart attack or or a serious long-term disability type of disease, which is why I I advocate having more private options and more people paying their own way up front on, on the on the minimal things. Diane, know? appreciate your call today. It's okay. good to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you. Ralph's up next. Hi, Ralph. Hi, Ralph. How are you, Jim? Good, thanks. Uh, Jim, you, you may recall our discussion, but I, I had a heart attack 11 years ago, mm-hmm. and then last Christmas and New Year's, I was in with severe angina, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually, and, and by the way, they took me right in when they realized my condition. Yes. And uh, But I might mention, too, and just digressing here for a moment, that you'll find a lot of people in the ERs that, you know, uh, a cut hand, uh, that type of thing, mm-hmm. a, a kid with a sniffle, yeah. and when they should have been maybe to a clinic at, at best. Yes. And, um, but in any event, uh, after doing an angiogram, they discovered that my left anterior was 100% blocked, mm-hmm. the circumflex was 95, yeah. the one coming down the front was 85, mm-hmm. And uh, the, the right anterior was about 45, which isn't terrible. Anyway, uh, the, the recommendation was bypass. Now, I'm not totally sure. I don't know whether you know what your bypass surgery costs or not, but I hear figures up to $40,000. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting enough, the surgeon suggested that, that I wait, that I uh, uh, take medication and yeah. so on. Yeah. Anyway, I decided to do some more investigation on the, this chelation therapy. Yes. And uh, after about 27 treatments now, uh, back the first year, I couldn't walk a block without getting angina. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Ralph, you're getting a little off the topic here. We're running out of time. Okay, what I'm trying to come to is I have to pay for this chelation treatment. Yes. It'll cost me about $3,000, uh, where bypass might have been around $40,000. Mm -hmm. in, in New Zealand, unless the, where you have free medical system, mm -hmm. unless you've had at least 20 chelation treatments, barring severe emergency, yeah. they will not do bypass surgery. Yeah. Now, they realize that there's a tremendous saving mm -hmm to the healthcare system mm -hmm. by doing this first. Mm -hmm. So I think there are places within our system where we can save a lot of dollars. Yeah, good point. Ralph, thanks for the call today. Okay, Jim. And Kimberly is our last caller. Hi, Kim. We've only got about a minute. I know. Uh, I just wanted to say, I think what it boils down to is that the Canadian people want their health care. And I'm, I know myself that I'm willing to pay a few extra dollars, but we need more money in the system so we can hire more nurses, hire, get the equipment that we need, and get the facilities that we need so we don't have these long waiting lists. And, it, you know, if I had to take my kids and my family in for a flu shot, I could not afford it. Mm -hmm. We have, a, you know, my husband and three kids, we could not afford it today. And I think that's what it's boiling down. We, we like the health system we have. We want the, the universal. We want what we have, and we, we're willing to protect it. And I think that's what everybody's going to be voting on this year. Mm, I, I, I certainly am. All right, thanks for the call, Ken. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Fifteen seconds to each of you, Gil. Well, I think Kimberly said it very well, and I agree with Kimberly. Robert? I agree with Kimberly that we need more money in the system, but not through government funding. I don't think she's ever considered the option of how much easier life would be for her if she had half as many taxes to pay. All right. Thanks to both of you for making this a most interesting half hour. Thanks, Thanks to you for listening. Stay with us. There's lots more to come this morning on Talk of the Town. We've got some more open phones. And ask the experts with Bud Pole Hill, too. And to bring us up to speed on what's happening around the world, here's Kim Woodbridge.